If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Hello Somebody, a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. Before we begin, I want to give a special shout out to my team. Thank you, Sim, Tiffany, Sam, and the team over at Good Juju Studios, Erica England, Pepper Chambers, the hot one, and my social media team. Hello, somebody. How's everybody doing? We are back. I am so excited about the guest that we have this week. She is one of my sister girlfriends. We work side by side at Our Revolution. She was my executive director while I was the president of that wonderful organization. And we worked on Senator Bernie Sanders' 2020 presidential campaign together. Dr. Heather Gautney, who I finally call Dr. G., is an associate professor of sociology at Fortum University. She has authored academic books and articles on American politics and social movements. She has opinion essays for news outlets like the Washington Post and CNN. And currently she is writing a book titled The New Power Elite, a remake of C. Wright Mills's classic text. She also wrote a book about the revolution in 2016 titled crashing the party baby if you have not read that book you need to read it it is about the phenomenon that was the 2016 presidential campaign of senator bernie sanders and how that campaign baby shook the world winning 13 million votes in that primary 22 contest it is a beautiful walk down memory lane so come on with me let's go in and talk to Dr. G. So good doctor, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing really well. Thank you. So happy to be with you. Oh my God. I am so happy to be with you to the Hello Somebody family. I am with the one and only Dr. Heather Gautney. She and I have been on this freedom fighters journey, revolution uh, together. One of the one of the blessings to me after the 2016 uh, election cycle was to be able to go and run the national organization that was created or founded by Senator Bernie Sanders. And that brought so many good people together. And one of those people is the one and only Dr. Heather Gautney, who served as the executive director of our revolution. She was the last executive director when I was there and we were side by side making the daggone thing happen. Uh, she's now at Fort, back at Fordham, Fordham University, and she's a professor of sociology. And she worked for Senator Bernie Sanders on the, in, the, on, in the Senate. She did the budget committee, among some other things. So she just has a plethora of experiences. But our last journey i shouldn't say last but one of the wonderful things that we had the opportunity to do together post our revolution was to be on the 2020 campaign together again side by side doc welcome to hello somebody thank you so much it's uh you know when you when you talk about the the history of how we know each other it's like that stuff happened so long ago because so much has happened in this short period of time. And our time at our revolution and on the campaign, it was like, it's like a flash, you know, it's just a really weird feeling, but it's been just an amazing, amazing experience working with you and in these different kinds of spaces, all sort of directed in the same way, you know, toward, toward progressive, progressive politics. Well, it's been a, a thrill working with you too. And it's nice to have people who are so committed to the cause. I mean, in all of our various capacities, it was never just a job for us. It's more like a vocation, a calling. Yeah. And I think when you're on the front lines of trying to change how things have always been done, it has to be a vocation. It has to be a calling because things get hot at times. And if you are not fully committed to the type of work, this type of work, not only can you burn out, you, you start to question uh, whether or not you should be doing this at all. So you got to be convicted from your heart to do this because it's a lot of, you know, people come at you. The system comes at you in the form of people. Yeah. You know, I was talking, I was um, here in Vermont. I was talking to my dentist the other day while I had, you know, stuff in my mouth and, and up here, you know, everyone knows Bernie and people live been in the grocery store with him and all that kind of stuff. And when I was talking about it, I was reminded why I was part of that campaign and part of our revolution. And, you know, quite frankly, the grind of the campaign sort of, you know, you, you just kind of put your head down and go through it. But mm -hmm. times when you were speaking, when he was speaking, when we had other surrogates, the excitement of, the sort of rallying the troops, those were the the gold moments. You know, those were the moments where you, you know, those are the moments I remember of, yes. you know, touching people and, you know, yeah, I have some resentments about the way the media handled 
the campaign and, and we're gonna talk the smearing. About that. We'll dive into <laughs> yeah. the media just a little bit. We won't tell all the family secrets, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, but you know, politics in the end is making connections and creating a public discourse about important issues that impact people's lives. And I felt like we really did that, especially our team in South Carolina and you know, a little bit in North Carolina. We really engaged with a lot of people and uh, changed, I think, people's lives. No, we really did. And we also changed the conversation. In other words, the progressive movement helped to create some very fertile soil right now, which is why I truly believe that the Biden administration is further left than ordinarily they would have been without the candidacy of Senator Bernie Sanders in 16, without his candidacy in 2020, and more importantly, without this movement continuing to make demands on the status quo in this country. Yeah. You know, after the the campaign was over, Bernie put together these task forces with Biden and I was on one of them for education. And, um, you know, we were outnumbered. It was just like it was in 2016 with the platform. With the unity reform commission. Yeah, it's it's always a, quote, fixed fight, you know, and. And there were some great people on those platform or or on the the task forces. But, you know, you really got the sense that they were not going to move past a certain place. And so the pushing and the progressive direction happened in that context. But, you know, they're just not progressives. And, And so what I'm seeing them do now is kind of extraordinary because in this task forces, I, I didn't expect them to put money into Title I or infrastructure or, you know, they're, they're definitely moving more in a progressive direction than one would think if you'd sat in and listened to what was going on in the task forces. But, you know, that's, that's only because, as you said, th- there's pushing, you know, yes. that there are people, there are Congress a, a wonderful cadre of people in Congress that you're about to join um, who, you know, are pushing, pushing, pushing. And uh, so, you know, there's still so much more to do, you know, student debt and all that kind of stuff. But I'm pleasantly surprised that they're better than they seem to be. Politics is a continuum and how people think about certain issues is a spectrum. So what what do you say to people who say, you know, you guys are asking for too much. You're dreaming too big. Why don't you just, you know, just go with the flow? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important. We have in our society and especially in our media a tendency to forget um, what came before. And if you rewind the clock, I don't know, 60 to 80 years, even with Republican presidents, right? Eisenhower made huge investments in infrastructure we had tax rates that were 70, 80 percent. And that wasn't, you know, there were always people from the right or the, or the corporate world pushing to lower the, the corporate tax rate or, you know, to fight public spending. But, you know, ever since the late 70s onward, it's just been a slow chipping away at our public institutions. So here we are now where our schools are dilapidated. You know, our infrastructure, our bridges are falling apart. I'm in rural Vermont and I don't have broadband. You know, we don't, we don't have the basic things that people in European countries have. And these would all be things that we had, right, 
prior to the sort of neoliberal march and the attack on public institutions. So to me, we need to look backward in order to look forward in terms of thinking about, well, how can this country become a good country again, right? How can we confront the educational deficits? How can we confront crime? All of these things. And and I'm not talking like the 40s and the 50s were some great heyday. You know, there were obviously a lot of, of problems. The civil rights movement was fighting horrific racial and other kinds of inequality. But the gap between the rich and poor was much more narrow and the governmental investment in public goods, the basic needs was so much greater than we have now. So, you know, when people say, oh, we can't afford it or we don't want to spend the money. It's like, well, well, what happened? We used to spend the money on these things. You know, why are we so different now? Well, the answer is because corporations are gleaning huge amounts of money off of every little institution we have, healthcare, pharmaceutical industry, and we're going to see with infrastructure, a lot of exploitation of the system. Geez, even with the PP, you know, the loans from the, for the pandemic, we saw horrible exploitation. I was reading something the other day about these opportunity zones. And, you know, that was the whole idea of the opportunity zones was to give tax breaks for people living in low income neighborhoods, right? To start businesses and to reinvigorate communities. And, you know, you have Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk with their space, whatever they're called, located in opportunity zones. So these billionaires are getting tax breaks, right, for, you know, to realize their dreams of sending people to space. But it's like, And guess what? It's not for poor people and working class people are certainly not going to be able to get to space. And all they're going to do is get up there and muck that up just like they've done down here as well. But your, your point is well taken. And so, you know, it's hard not to be discouraged too, Dr. G, by what we are laying out here. On the one hand, we elect people to work to change the material conditions of people. On the other hand, we know that the system is rigged where that the ultra, ultra wealthy in this country, be they individuals or corporations get more say because they have more money. They hire lobbyists to the tune of billions of dollars collectively to be able to lobby for their interests. And meanwhile, back on Main Street in the hood and misunderstood, there are very few people who are lobbying for the everyday people of this country so that the body politic can bend to their will, to our will, to the will really of the people. So is there hope? Are we are we fighting a losing battle by making the types of demands that we're making, whether it's Medicare for all, canceling student debt, campaign finance reform, for God's sakes, dealing with climate chaos? I mean, really, if the system is that rigged, you know, why, why are we doing all of this? If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. 
lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palbociclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrands, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. I mean, I think that there are signs of progress there are progressives getting elected people who you know who who were elected in a sort of surprise kind of way even people who aren't afraid to use the word socialism um, or democratic socialism i think the sign that the biden administration is making is not afraid to spend apparently and there are a couple of economists in his team who are real kind of Keynesian progressive economists. I mean, I'm thinking like Heather Boucher, for example. So it's hard not to see these people have made their way into the White House and are clearly having an impact. Even if we throw a bunch of money at all of the these problems that we have, you know, in terms of, like I said, education, infrastructure, environment, you still have this intensely formidable right-wing not just the Koch brothers, right? All of these, you know, sort of from Wall Street to Alec to, you know, they're intensely organized. And I, I feel like everyone's read this book but me, but Democracy in Chains. And just to see, you know, the, the decades-long build of these, you know, very wealthy and, you know, some of these racist Southerners, you know, they have built a machine, and yeah. they set out to change the rules. You know, it wasn't, it, 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 as you say, campaign finance. You know, they, they took the tobacco company's playbook and they, you know, have, have fundamentally changed the rules with gender, gerrymandering and, you know, Citizens United and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know how we undo that. Like, I don't know how the progressive side, because they're so well organized and so wealthy. Um, so it feels kind of like David and Goliath. And I feel like, you know, there's lots of defeats. My whole lifetime has been about defeats with these minor wins, you know, so that's one piece of it. And the other piece of it is the military industrial complex. I mean, we, in the fight that we have fought in, you know, the Sanders campaign and our revolution, we spent a lot of time on Medicare for all and on domestic issues, because I think there's, stronger issues for us. And they're also issues that can really have a big impact on people's lives. But it 
pains me every day to think about what this government is doing with its drone program, still black sites. You know, we green greenlit torture in 2003, basically. And it just, I have not seen any real discussion about how to rein all of that in. You know, the stuff around Yemen is positive, but, you know, that is, that feels like it happens. You know, the media doesn't look at it. They're just not covering it. It's like, they don't want to admit. And doc, for people who don't know, you know, what is happening you know, the whole Yemen, and you don't have to go into great detail, but can you just uh, break that down in a sentence or two, just to remind people? What could easily be said is that the United States government was funding, you know, the Saudi government, which was basically dropping bombs all over Yemen to the point where, you know, there's a major, you know, not just the death associated with the bombs, but also disease, you know, the whole infrastructure. crisis. Yeah. And, you know, when you talk about the military industrial complex, one of the things, and I've been doing some work with one of our other illustrious uh, Bernie alum, I guess I will call us, but uh, but Ben Cohen, uh, one of the co-founders of Ben and Jerry's. And one of the things that he's been fighting or trying to bring attention to for the last 30 years is the overspending in the military industrial complex. And he has this this uh, social media handle called Drop the Mic, which is Drop the Military Industrial <laughs> Complex. And I bring that up because I had an opportunity to work with him on projects to just bring awareness. And how do we talk about subjects of this type of complexity and break it down so that everybody can understand and also so they can connect the dots as to why they should care about it. And we've had many members of Congress, both now and also in the past, who talk quite honestly and with a fierceness about endless wars. And that's pretty much what you're laying out there in, you know, in the Yemen crisis, other crises that we're putting our dollars into what's done in our name, you know, organizations like Cold Pink and, and Veterans for Peace. There are so many organizations out there that are really exposing our country's appetite, you, you know, if yeah. you will, for continuing to either provide cover or kind of or disrupt, you know, for every action we learned in science that there's an equal and opposite reaction. And so as Americans, we should understand these issues. We don't have to have a PhD in them to understand them and also hold our elected officials accountable because for every dollar we spend on the military industrial complex, that's one less dollar that can go to domestic issues like education and healthcare and infrastructure. And all of those things that we're talking about right now are tied to jobs, good paying jobs that have a it's, it's, it's a cycle. It, everything intersect or intersection. There's an intersection to what we're saying about taking that money off of the military industrial complex side. And even this administration, they want to increase funding to the military industrial complex, as has, to be fair, almost every single modern day administration. So this is not something new, but unless the people get involved to say, don't we don't want this, it will continue unabated. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's the that consensus between Republicans and Democrats, I think, is what makes it so dangerous. It's when there's 
strong consensus that things get disappeared, you know? And I mean, I think that's why Hillary Clinton went after Tulsi Gabbard in such a nasty way, because Gabbard was taking on the military issues. She was. And, you know, Clinton had her fingerprints all over it as secretary of state. Our media is not covering any of this kind of stuff. They they'll talk about, oh, we caught such and such terrorists, but they won't talk about all of the civilians who were killed in the process of catching that one terrorist. Why do you think that's the reality? I mean, you're working on a book right now and you're going to have a chapter that kind of, that explores, maybe exposes, but I'll use the word explores uh, the media impact on our society. I think fundamentally all of these cable news channels that, you know, are sort of the CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, all of them. Which I have been a contributor. Yes. And 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 me too. I have too. Not, not at your level, but (laughs) you know, me too, but they're all about the advertisements. You know, they, they will not do things that deeply offend their owners and the people who are paying for the, you know, for, for what happens in between the newscasts. Is and that the reason why we definitely need, we need more independent media? Yeah, we need, again, public spending. McChesney is wonderful on this. I mean, you know, he's got a book stacked high and he makes the same argument over and over that we need a true independent media and we need to put money into it. We need, we need public funding of independent media publicly financed. Now, you know, some people say that's totalitarian. You can't have a state run, you know, media, but why not? It doesn't have to be a propaganda machine right now. What is Fox News? But a propaganda machine for the Republican Party. And what is MSNBC? A propaganda machine for the Democratic Party. They don't criticize Democrats on MSNBC. And, you know, I'm on the Democratic side of things, but I need to see criticism, you know, when when the Democrats are 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 not making the right decisions. Matt Taibbi just uh, I don't know how recent the book is, but it's pretty recent called Hate Inc. And he was going to do a remake of Chomsky's Manufacturing Consent. Yeah. And he was going to call it Manufacturing Outrage. But instead, he called it um you know, this other title and on the cover, we're, we're referring to Dr. Noam Chomsky. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and um, but on the cover of the book is Hannity on one side and Maddow on the other. And, I, you know, I was thinking, oh, I kind of like Rachel Maddow. You know, she's she's OK. Yeah. And and then I started to watch her show and, with a different pair of eyes. And she doesn't criticize the Democrat. She has Chuck Schumer on and she's, you know, uh, it's it's like hey geography with him like it's it and you have to ask tough questions when you're a journalist it's you do. It, sh- it shouldn't be oh i'm taking a side or you shouldn't feel pressured to please uh chuck schumer or elizabeth warren or i mean i just remember the interviews that matt l did with elizabeth warren and she was gushing like it was absolutely crazy they're supposed to be holding them accountable <laughs> Maybe we should just call what we see commentary and not necessarily journalism. And there is a yeah. difference and there is a place for both. So maybe we just settle in on most of these shows are commentary and not what we would call hardcore, you know, get to the facts, 
lay them out as they are, critique where necessary journalism, because it's not that. It's, it's endless op-eds <laughs> seen yeah. visually, you know, on TV. And I mean, on Fox News, that's the frightening thing, right? Is long, that with they, yes. that line between opinion and emotion, right, is, sure. is fine with that. And it's all about stoking fear. But people walk away saying, oh, this is what I learned on Fox News. So it must be true. They have the highest viewership of any of the, the other cable news they channels. Do. And people tend to believe what they see on TV, whether it is true or not. It's just it's just a phenomenon. But no, you're absolutely right. And so we do need another choice. We definitely need another choice. I'm with you on that. Doc. So tell me about, cra- you know, crashing. You wrote Crashing the Party. Let's talk about that. People can get that. You know, if you want to know what happened, we won, what, 13 million votes. I mean, you really analyze what happened during the 2016 election and how we being our movement and our candidate surprised so many people with how competitive we were from an electoral perspective but also we changed the narrative of the democratic party we changed the platform of the democratic party we changed the in many ways i believe that 2016 set up the policy environment if you will for the 2020 presidential election cycle what say you dr g Yeah, I mean, that book was, I was writing another book, which is the book I'm writing right now, which is a remake of C. Wright Mill's Power Elite. And Verso book, the publisher contacted me and said, do you want to write something about the Bernie campaign since you're involved and, you know, have worked for him before? So it was hard to say no to that. And I started writing it writing it, writing it. I was 75% of the way through the book. And then the election happened. The book was completely written with Hillary Clinton, you know, in mind being the next president and we got Trump and it changed everything, but it also confirmed a lot of what was in the book, which was that this, the, the neoliberal March and the misery in that it's left in its path, um, And the way that the party has left behind working class and poor people while speaking all the good lip service of progressivism inevitably, as we know from history, gives rise to reaction, reactionary forces. And people are easily manipulated when they're desperate. And Trump marched right on in and he had the skills. He was P.T. Barnum. He, you know, knew he knew all the buttons to push which, you know, the trade, jobs, you know, the, the lion liberal media the talking populist, down to you. Yes. Yeah, he had a populist message. It all was full of it. populism, but yes. Yeah, he knew what but buttons to push. He had the perfect foil in, in Clinton, the wealthy, right, establishment figure. And then, of course, what happened with Bernie. And, you know, that just fed right into it, too, because some of those Trump voters were Bernie voters. And so it, it was kind of interesting that way that it that it really proved the book was ultimately critical of which was the 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 new Democrat program begun really with um, with Bill Clinton. So that was one piece of it. And then the other piece of it, of course, was, as you mentioned, how Bernie Stunned. really broadened the horizon. Yeah. Yes. Stunned. It was a stunner. And. <laughs> It was. And who, you know, who knew, right? right. <laughs> it's like, who knew? you know, but he really, 
change the way that people do politics so that now someone like yourself will raise a good amount of money and run on small donations and you don't have to sell out, you know, to super PACs. And, you know, he, he kind of blazed that trail. And now there are a lot of really important politicians who are taking that up and running clean campaigns. So that was, I think, a really remarkable. And then, of course, like you said, the issues, the policy issues where he really turned the conversation. I say he, but it was we. You know, it was, it was a we effort, really. We say he's the flame and we're the fire. It definitely was a we. <laughs> definitely we. Yeah. So where do we go from here, Dr. Jimmy? What words of encouragement would you give to people who are very still very much concerned about the future in this country and whether there is a future for the poor, the working poor, and the barely middle class, given all of the pressures of forces that are so powerful that at moments we cannot necessarily see the light at the end of the tunnel. Obviously, you see some light and I see some light because we keep doing this uh, just like the what I would call the, the, the justice architects before us. Uh, you do have to have a understanding of what is and what we want to be and understand both of those things, but knowing very clearly that just because things are the way they are in this moment, especially if they're bad, is not the way they have to be into the future. So what are some words of encouragement that you can give to people who are kind of feeling a little shaky about what the possibilities are for now and into the future? I think for me, the way that I've always sort of stayed course, even when I've become quite frankly depressed about politics, is I try to find the sort of beacons and the architects like like you're talking about, you know, the the people who excite you and you feel like they're telling the truth and stop getting information from the opinion, you know, the the people who are proffering truth, but they're, you know, they're not. So, you know, there's all kinds of stuff out there that it's there is independent media that people can podcast like this and, you know, others. Um, but you know, that's been sort of one thing that I've done. Me- reading Taibbi's book, not to double plug it, but it, it invigorated me because I love his voice and I think yeah. he's honest and, you know, he he tells the truth. And, you know, so I think that's number one. But no, and, and number two, vote and and pay attention to local races. That's how the right wing has been successful and the left needs to be better at that. And I think ultimately think about politics or social movement activity as not just um, a process of finding other people like you, but building solidarity with people, right, who might be in a very, very different place than you are on issues. You know, what are the spaces of commonality that we have rather than how we're all so different and we think differently and it's just all about clashes and, you know, individualism. And, you know, that to me is, a, I think, a, a sort of guiding light. You know, how can we build bridges with other people who are suffering, you know, or who are frustrated with the system or who feel left out? And, you know, that's sort of what campaigning is all about, as you know, Um, It's about reaching out to people and seeing where they are and listening to them and trying to figure out what works, you know, and, and so I think that's, uh, those are some, 
some positive things and not to be, you know, don't be afraid to be critical. Being critical is a productive activity, you know? And I've heard this proverb that says if two people always agree, one is not needed. (laughs) (laughs) So good. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to take that. If two people always, it doesn't mean we can't agree every now and then, but Jesus is the prerequisite for the relationship is that we always agree Then one is not needed. To the one and only Dr. Heather Gautney, who I finally call Dr. G, and I have a whole bunch of other folks calling her Dr. G. What a pleasure it has been to have you on Hello Somebody. And we look forward to your book that's coming out. Is there anything you want to tell us about the book? When is it coming out? What the title is? Is there anything you want to share? Yeah, they can get crashing the party right now. You can still get that. It's a quick read. You can read crashing the party in one sitting if you want to, two at the most. So I definitely encourage people to get crashing the party. Okay, now you're working on. Yeah, so I'm I'm working on a remake of um, C. Wright Mills kind of iconic book, The Power Elite, uh, which was written in the mid 1950s. And it's an analysis of the American power structure. And, you know, he's writing this in the heyday, right, of, as I mentioned before, where, you know, tax rates for the rich were relatively high and inequality was relatively low. And, you know, now everything that he wrote is amplified by a gazillion. Um, And so I'm not writing a book about his book. I'm taking structure of his book and I'm remaking it. So like a movie, you know, really in that kind of um, style, and I'm writing the last chapter, so it's not on pre-order, but it will be okay. on my Oxford University Press. And um, and I've been writing this thing for seven years, so it's it's really nice to see a light at the tunnel, end of the tunnel, and I'm really excited about it. I think it's uh, it, it will be fun, and it, and and it should be outrage provoking. Ooh, outrage provoking, baby. I gotta love it. Well, thank you for doing that, Dr. G. Put in the 21st century version on that. I cannot wait to read it. Again, thank you so much for joining us on Hello Somebody. Thank you for having me.
Hello Somebody is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.